0: Welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Dossie here, a great bloke that he is, talking all things AFL fantasy on this Monday night, July 17th, 2023. Here as always with my co-hosts, we got Louis here, we got Holmesy. No harmy tonight, he's finally having a week off uh, due to work circumstances, but look... Without any further ado, you know, words like carnage were being thrown around pre-round this week, but it was the word controversy that uh, that really sort of rung true in the Pod Pod family this week. Dossie accused of certain acts of doggery within the group chat. We might just pass over to Holmesy. Talk about the round that was. There was a huge, huge matchup in uh, the beloved Content Creators Cup this week. It was the Dossie versus Holmesy showdown. And uh, walk us through what happened, Holmesy.
1: Yeah, Holmesy's had an absolute nightmare. Uh, he's decided that he would like to take English's VC score of 140. He's uh, put Heath on the ground with the captaincy on and somewhere along the line, he has forgot to put the emergency on Rowan Marshall. So, 99 points has gone begging, unfortunately, but uh, that's not the biggest controversy, is it? Is it, Dossie? Could something have been done?
0: (laughs) Well, um, it may have been revealed after the fact that a certain Dossie uh, may <laughs> may have noticed the lack of an E on Old Roma and failed to <laughs> to deliver so the message. So Louis, I've got the
1: uh, I've got the first who said this part of the of the show. So who, who do you think <laughs> this was here coming into the group chat? Okay, I'm not going to lie here. Dossie saw the blunder early, but decided against the courtesy message. <laughs>
2: Oh, Dossie, I couldn't believe you wound up to it, mate. Uh, Yeah, that's a dog act, mate. (laughs) Oh, come on. I'm entering the era of
0: cutthroat Dossie. Anything to get that dubs? And let's look at the final score here as well. 23-46 for the victorious Dossie. And what did you score there, Holmesy?
1: 22-59. We can- uh Add ninety nine to that, mate, and uh, <laughs> I suppose we all know who really won. But if you if you want the win like that, Dossie, that's fine, mate. It's all good. Rob the fans, I'll rob absolutely. the fans of a close finish.
0: <laughs> I'll absolutely be taking that uh, that W and wiping the slate clean of those ton mid strengths. But um, yeah, look, it, it was a it was a great round from from Big Dossie. But let's go around the room. We've heard Kyle and and my um, score. Now it's just down to you, Lou. How do you go this week, mate?
2: Yeah, I had a decent week. I scored the twenty three eighty five, which brought my rank in about 500 spots. So, just knocking on the door of 2,000 now. So, it'd be nice to uh, try and get into that and then further on into the top 1,000, try and keep the streak alive. All right, let's go through our usual
0: positives and negatives for the round and get into our Lux. You know the Lux is mine from the start. Hi, mate. Yeah, bit of a disappointing week there, you know, but um, who's your Lux for the week?
1: Yeah, thanks, Dossie the dog. Uh, I'll go uh, Marcus (laughs) Bontempelli for his 142. That was a good way to start the round.
0: How about yourself, Lou?
1: Yeah, I've got to give it to his namesake, Marcus Winhager
2: as well. Uh, With the Sheldrick out and uh, poor score from Wilmot on the Thursday night, uh, it was really nice to see Marcus Winhager pop out of 100 in in my time of need and uh, in the time of need of many coaches out there too, I think. Yeah, um, that was a pretty solid score there. I got to go with my who do I got? I'm going to go
0: with Goulden just because I don't reckon I've give it to him in the preceding weeks. Actually, no, LDU, LDU back to back monster scores, 138 on the weekend following the 122. He's got Saints, West Coast, and Melbourne in his next three. He's still cheap as chips and, and looking like a target for a lot of people coming home, steaming home like he has for the like he did last year as well at the end of the year.
2: I'm surprised he didn't give it to Max Heath, mate.
0: (laughs) He got you the win this week, didn't he? (laughs) Big Maxie Heath with a C on him. Thanks for that, Holmes. I think, look, I think the Pod Pod family would, I don't know, sympathise with poor old Dossie, you know, looking to get himself a W on the board. Um,
1: Dossie, 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 Dossie. the group chat was ignored. I hope you've enjoyed uh, having a holiday this fantasy season. I hope you've enjoyed... Uh, The pressure of not having to rock up and host when you've had a shit week, knowing that Honesy will come through for you, but that's no more, mate. (laughs) That's no more. Don't ask anything of me. Find a new co-host next year because- what you, you dog Kimbo as well? In the space of one weekend, oh yeah, that's, in the space of oh, one yeah. weekend you've lost a mate and you've lost a dad. So enjoy enjoy your win, mate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I kind of wish I was a laid out alongside Harmy just to uh, watch how this podcast transpires with just the two of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, would have been a Stevie, Stevie Fizz story. solo pod. That's what it would have been.
2: So, the other side of that
0: story, though, here, here I am, I checked my phone and I'm actually, about to, before I realised the severity of the situation, I've just finished footy, I grabbed the phone out, I'm out, I'm, I'm having a little giggle, I'm having a little giggle when I noticed. Kimbo comes over, he's like, what are you laughing at over there? And it was the situation I described. Then I said to Kimbo, we've got a match up as well. He didn't realise Tom Green was out for the week, and I've waited to tell him until he's made his trades as well. And I only beat him by about 10 points as well. So, look, it, was, it is the era of the cutthroat dossie, but um, let's get into our sucks for the week. Holmesy, I think uh, Rowan Marshall with the 99 uh, lacklustre on the bench might be the one to do it, but was there anyone else that sucked for you?
1: I'm just going to purely give it to myself for a number of reasons. One is the bleeding obvious Marshall incident, but also I decided to take Windhager's 100 as a lot of coaches would, but I actually benched Sheezel to do it. So that cost me 12 points in the end as well, which could have been a lot worse. Uh, but yeah, didn't want to take the risk and I was right. The tag went there. It, it just took 75 points for the tag to finally get there. So was, yeah, here's what it is. Yeah, I think you had you just about had to do that, like
0: especially you, just not knowing the unknowns, you, you had to do that. It's just unfortunate for you.
2: Uh, Lou, what about you, mate? Yeah, I think I've got to give it to James Sicily uh, on debut. He was quite a popular coach that coaches brought in and uh, popped a 65 on return, copped the tag from Eddie Ford, uh, probably not the result that we wanted uh, back into our sides coming off a 140 last
1: three-game average. Just quietly, Luke, we did flag it here on the pod pod last week. So, not bad by us. But, yeah, unfortunate. But he's going to be a fantastic pick moving forward unless, unless sides realise that to, to beat Hawthorne, even though they didn't beat him, but the, the way to really push him is to tag him. So, who knows? Yeah, that would be the
2: concern if it's a bit of a, um, I don't know, blueprint, but being Hawthorne and uh, being down the bottom of the ladder, you'd hope that they're not going to do that. And the story of Sicily's season for his 107 average has sort of been popping those random 60s, but then following up with a big 140 and, and sort of making the median sort of uh, tolerable. So backing him in to bounce back next week and hopefully it's a 100 average across two weeks. Yeah, Richmond and Saints in the next two, not typically guys are uh,
0: teams that tag, but my sucks for the week goes to Adam Chera, 62 in an absolute blowout win versus Port where plenty of players faced it, but not Adam Chera. And now, Holmesy grinning pre-show as a bit of karma hits Dossie with uh, Adam Chera potentially looking to miss this week with a bit of hamstring tightness. He's apparently a test according to uh, watches, but I also saw someone... Um, I think it was another person tweeting out basically. He'll probably miss because he's up against West Coast this week as well, which is um, a juicy, juicy matchup, but they probably won't risk him. So all ch- all my fellow chair owners out there, um, bad luck unfortunately there as well. So we're moving on from our sucks for the week and now it's moving on to the next week. And I mean, I think maybe it's just time. We've got to shout out our listeners all in the pod pod challenge. Of course, we've got 25 coaches now, a few dropped out of the top 100, but we've still got big Jono up top in third and another couple of coaches in the top 10. So keep on firing home. Hopefully, we can still provide you some advice to get those delicious hats at the end of the year, Um, you know, and we'll keep fighting for those other spots as well if you're just fighting for your league wins on the run home. But I think it's time we get to some hot topics for the week. Into them nice and early in the show this week. Now, we mentioned last week, of course, Stewie Jew out. At the Suns and and Big Stephen King came in. They uh, used the horror story line on the AFL website. They're stealing our material early. I mean, it was only a matter of time. It's a pretty uh pretty low-hanging fruit there. But um Holmesy, what did you notice from this these uh this game? I think there's one player in particular that that uh, fantasy coaches have got their eye on now, and it's a guy that we talked about probably a month ago on this show.
1: Yeah, Sam Flanders. What a time to drop him back to the waivers in my draft leg, eh? We've had him on the bench for about oh. a month and he puts that up so he looked fantastic, uh, had that midfield, midfield role. He was up and around the ball and even when he wasn't getting the CBAs, he was a, a midfielder in general play from what I could see. I didn't watch the game terribly closely. I was kind of on and off, but if either of you boys saw it, like there was some monster scores in this game. Clearly, they versus St. Kilda, so how much we can take out of it, I'm not too sure, but do we think that this new Suns game plan is going to be a little bit more conducive to scoring or was, was it pretty match-up based?
2: Yeah, I think it might have been a bit matched up based there, Holmesy. There wasn't anything that was particularly standing out um, to me watching. Obviously, there was a few slight little role changes and things happening, but I think just given the context of the game versus the Saints, it was just one of those matchups for the Suns. But yeah, I think the big story out of that game has to be Sam Flanders with the third most CBAs for the Suns. And uh, I think what Fiorini was dropped to the sub... Uh, and was there, it was Swallow playing any midfield? Yeah, what, Swallow, Swallow Swallow's
0: the big dip. So, Swallow's the big dip. He's played in every single game this year. He's had basically 20%. Before this game, 25% was his lowest centre bounce attendances. And that was in round one. And in this game, he had 9%. So, he's basically just out of the midfield rotation, which is the big move, which. Just want to say as well, Um, I've been calling cool for for quite some time, but uh, Stephen King straight away jumps in, says, nah, you're out. Let's just go with – he's gone with Matty Rao, Noah Anderson, of course, and Took Miller, but, yeah, bringing in Sam Flanders for 50%, and he's clearly just part of that midfield rotation now as well. Not playing fair any on the wing, moving him into that sub role to come off an impact off the bench, unfortunately, for him at the moment, but um, getting some, some usage as well, but – yeah, Sam Flanders to me looks to be a mint roll and, and look, if you're looking for a point of difference at a cheap price, I think you guys have to agree. This this could be like a 90 to 100 plus scoring forward, but can he be, you know, enough Holmesy to to jump on at this point in the season?
1: Yeah, I think it's just the wrong time of year. If this had to happened round five or round six, when we're looking for those cheaper options, I think- it's, it's definitely a play, but being available in the forward line, you really just want the guys that are top six at this stage, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to push the, the real upper echelon, but far out, 122 looked absolutely unbelievable doing it. The one guy I want to ask you about, took Miller. How did he look? His scoring was really good. His time on ground was up and his CBAs were up. Louis, do we think he's someone we look at moving forward or is he going to be a little bit off those top eight guys? No, nah, I think he's someone that we can look at. A lot of
2: coaches, uh, I think, are cheap, uh, not getting cheap, but at M8, they're opting for that value option. LDU was one over the weekend. Uh, Mills has been one in the past, so I think he's somebody that could definitely fill those boots. He, he sort of got into it a little bit slow on the weekend, but in that second half, he looked like the old two, Miller and Um, even though we sort of raised a bit of a flag last week on, on what that role might look like and whether or not he has a bit of a slow start to, uh, to hit the ground running at 108 and just obliterate that break even back down to 114 probably means that, uh, we're going to be looking at a basement priced, uh, in terms of, you know, what he's done this year, Tuke Miller over the next two weeks. So it should be a good target.
1: Yeah, it also seems like Noah Anderson's the one that the teams are choosing to target now as well. So if he's the one getting the attention, that that just leaves Took Miller to do what he wants. So yeah, I think he could be a very good pickup when you do it. I'm not too sure, but maybe try and play the matchup game to really get that one as he pops.
0: Yeah, to your point, 10 coaches votes for Noah Anderson again on the weekend. So, the the coaches out there are really valuing valuing his impact, which unfortunately for us as um, fantasy coaches isn't great on the uh, the tag front. Um, Moving on to... Arguably one of the hottest topics going around. The the only issue, I guess, is that our many many coaches' rucks are already locked in with Tim English and Rowan Marshall. But it was a sight for sore eyes to see the old tried and true Maxi Gorn back in the ruck. Brody Grundy, obviously the the storylines are out there um, being dropped, and and it seems like he's going to be out for at least the short term to work on his forward craft in the VFL. Max Gorn came in number one rock, 32 centre-bounce attendance as the most for Melbourne, 162 fantasy points to go with 29 disposals, and just a ridiculous performance if you watch that game. That was an outstanding comeback from Melbourne,
1: but Holmesy, your boy Gornie, he's back. He is, and... Tell you what, Dossie, I'm act- actually stoked that 160 because at halftime you've come into the group chat, laughing to the bank, saying you're gonna downgrade Briggs uh, to Gorn next week. You've missed Marshall. You're gonna make your way up the up the rankings, but that 160, it would have gone up what 50, 60k. I haven't even had a look, but would have been big, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it's just still over 60,
0: I think. F- it's still 45k from Briggs to Gorn, so. I think I'm still laughing all the way to the bank Holmesy. there if I can upgrade Briggs. And I suggest many coaches out there who haven't managed to have one or the other of English or Marshall. It's a pretty easy sideways swap now from from whoever you've got. So, it is an absolute stroke of luck. What I want to ask you guys is... Looking forward at some matchups and stuff for either English or Marshall, is there any chance you might consider jumping off one of those guys to go to Gorn and and cashing up and going elsewhere as well and using that money?
2: Uh, Look, I I think it depends on the team. So, if you've not got any cashed-up rookies sitting on your bench or if maybe you've only got the one, then I think, yeah, moving down from Rowan Marshall or Tim English could be a calculated risk down to a Max Gorn. You're going to make yourself 200K there, which, you know, if you put on top of a a Marcus Winhag or a Darcy Wilmot, for example, you're almost just edging your sort of LDU type. So potentially that's a way to get up. Also, you could go down and, and get up on some of those in-between players that a lot of coaches have, be it your Darcy Camerons, you might still have a Tom Green from last week, maybe a... You're sick of Harry Sheezle, though he popped one on the weekend. So there's a few ways that we could play it here, and uh, Himmelberg's probably another good example of that. So just get creative with your cash, uh, and yeah, I-, I think it is viable if if that form continues. Well, yeah, it just depends
0: how many one sixties he's got left in him because he can. You know, we know what Gorney can do when he's on when he's on fire. But that that game was just out yeah, ridiculous. I don't think he can replicate that
2: again. It- he hasn't rotated um, without a ruckman for a number of years now so we haven't actually seen the mm-hmm. full you know 90 game time in the ruck max gone we've been looking at a hybrid of that with luke jackson in the side and then Brody grundy this year so potentially max Gorn could come home extremely strongly maybe even better than those two still going to take a brave coach to jump off of them just based on their form but when
1: there's 200k value there potentially then you've got you've got to consider that just a shout out to my mate, Sean, who actually went Briggs to Gorn on the weekend and put the VC on Gorn. So, that's some- uh, Oh, wow. That's some chops. I might have to good message
2: on. him for some tips this week then. So yeah, why, don't well.
0: you, why isn't your mate called Crab Man though as well? Does he have some sort of crazy nickname, Shawny? We've got to work on one for Shawny. I reckon, there, Holmesy. That's not good enough from you. Um. All right. Well, I think that's pretty clear then, at least, if you've got one of those second-tier ruckmen you've got someone to go to now, at least, but maybe it's only for the risky coaches. Louis, if you want to jump off an English or a Marshall, I think it would be incredibly risky. All right. The other thing that we've noticed on the weekend, and we touched on it at the start of the game, just a few of those tags having a little bit of an impact. So... I think Holmes, you've been one that you you've said yourself have overreacted to some tags this year, but we did see a few have an effect on the weekend, including Ford on Sicily, and we saw randomly saw Finn McGuinness go to Taron Thomas. There was probably a couple of others around the league as well. But is this something you're going to keep a watchful eye on, given that we you know maybe do have those luxury trades to work with now at this time of the year?
1: Yeah, what I'm finding fascinating, and I think maybe it's just a bit of a an indication of the way the game's played that they're, they're not really running with the inside midfield tag as much these days. Like the Finn McGuinness one has purely been on the outside. Like Sam Mitchell has been um, outspoken saying that we don't want him on the inside. If there's a gun player that um, we can shut down on the outside, then we will. So that's why you know it was, the LDU pick on the weekend was fantastic because they they basically said we're not going to go to an LDU. We're gonna we're gonna look elsewhere. So. Maybe you can't really do much about the random ones like the Tarrant Thomas one was really random and even the Sicily one to an extent. So maybe just don't overthink it too much but maybe if you're tossing up between two captain options and there's potentially a tag on the horizon, maybe try and go the, the safer one. That's, that's maybe the only advice I'd give but as someone that's overthought it too much this year, I think you just keep sort of chipping away and, and maybe playing as if the one's not coming, Louis.
2: Yeah, I think at the start of the year, and we probably haven't acted on it as much as what we probably should have, we kept saying that um, at the beginning of the year, the first half of the season, teams do play to win, and then in the second half, that's when they play not to lose, which is why we're probably seeing a couple of tags come out, and I think uh, while you can't avoid them, and it is a bit of a you know um, crapshoot, totally random, I do think You can minimise that risk by just taking in um, the context of the footy game, which can be hard as fantasy coaches. Sometimes we see some really nice fantasy players, we see a nice matchup, but we don't actually consider, for example, that they might be 10 and uh, 11 on the ladder and fighting for finals. And there's just going to be something funny going on in that game in order to to find the win. So I think... Just little things like that, you might be able to find an edge. Uh, maybe that's why we saw that on the weekend with Hawthorne, North Melbourne, a little bit of funny buggers with the uh, draft picks down there. Um, but even then, I think there's a few games um, separating them. So it does just come down to randomness. You just need to hope that you don't cop it sometimes.
0: All right. Well, I don't. I don't know if we've got anything on our observation round table. Does anybody? Does anybody want to have a little bit of a chat here in our little little section, Holmesy?
1: Uh, did I see somewhere that Clarko's due back this week, so that maybe things might be switching up with nah. North Melbourne, or did I? No, nah. no, nah, it was rumored, but um, it's it's not going to happen until the end of the year. Yeah, okay, that's good. Well, maybe then, yeah, with the North Melbourne stuff, just keep an eye on the tag because I'm pretty sure they've been tagging at least the last sort of three to four weeks, um, whether it's a, a forward tag or through the through the middle. So maybe yeah, keep an eye on that.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I've got an observation here, Dossie, Um, just as teams start to look to complete themselves. I think as we go into luxury uh, trade time, it almost becomes a time to really consider what we're doing two or three weeks from now, so... For an example, look, you could have traded in a midfielder this week and held off an extra week and bring in a Josh Dunkley while he's cheaper. It's just one of those things where you just need to figure out what the break-evens are, the price points, and who the rookies you're going to be trading over the next couple of weeks are in order to to sort of acquire the two or three players that you've got circled. So it's not about just looking at it as one week, one down, one up. It's about one down, one up. Okay, what's my move next week to get on the other end of something else or how can i use this week to set myself up for the following week and look, you can probably extend that out to a month really so um it, it's just about being a little bit shrewd with our trading and, and our salary to come yeah i love that have you guys still just just to ask as well are you guys still i
0: know holmes you jumped on uh jackie Bose on the weekend um are these kind of mid-prices, how, how much longer are we going to sort of try and sort of rotate between these kind of players? Like is just that cash gen, are we still just comfortable with mostly these guys? Or we have seen a couple of cash gen rookies come through, but like Holmes, are you still just comfortable going with these 400K guys? They seem to be performing all right for us and, and really sort of doing their job on field as well at the moment.
1: Yeah, Dossie. I didn't really want to. the The reason I went to Jack Bowes was purely I wanted to try and get that last rookie off field. And it kind of seems like I'm, I'm a week behind it every time. I have a rookie on field and they drop a forty, and then I, I get that last rookie off field, and and Windhager goes a hundred. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I just I just wanted to make a little bit of coin to get to get that last rookie off field with all the carnage going on. I thought I could you know maybe get a bit of a leg up there, but it's not the time. You am my side's not in a good point. My my cash gen's nowhere near those top sides. But if you're if you're someone that's competing or or going quite well, you just want to be getting up to the top guys. You don't want to be messing around with the Jack Bowes type. It's mine was out of necessity almost, but you really just want to try and get up as best you can, Louis. Yeah, and you can see what Carnage does to you. Quite often you can come in with a plan, I'm gonna
2: do this, that and this out two of your players are suspended and another one's gotten injured on the weekend and another one's been dropped so can't always plan out like that can you
1: yeah
0: all right well lou you've got you've got a few rookies there for us to look at i always skip over it at the end of the show usually we're supposed to supposed to pop the rookies on at the end and i forget why don't you just run through your favorite couple of rookies while we remember here
2: yeah i've just got cooper harvey he's 263k with the zero break even he's gone 63 and 48 Uh, his last two weeks plays for North Melbourne Uh, you'd think he's going to get an extended run at it so I don't mind paying up a little bit extra for him though I'd probably um, caution that as the last week I think after that you might be paying a bit too much for him Uh, Jack Paris on the weekend had a pretty impressive debut actually I reckon he'll buy himself a couple of weeks with that three break even 57 on debut Uh, So I don't mind that. And then probably the pick of the bunch, if he does come into that main side, is Josh Fahey. Uh, He's 200k with a 10 break even, which you don't often see. That's been sub-affected over a number of weeks. Uh, He came on for 25% time on ground, got the 29, looked really good, kicked a goal. So if he gets into that main side, I think he might be our next cash cow to sort of send us home. And I'm going to flag one more um, just based on the fact that they had that big loss on the
0: weekend. I'm talking about Essendon going down to the Cats by 77 points, pretty disappointing loss when they were on a good run of form. This rookie got my eyes on him big time. I think he was the fifth pick in the draft, Elijah Sartis. He's just had... 31 disposals this week, which was I think like 10 more than the next best. 35 disposals a couple of weeks ago because they had a buy-in between. But he's now strung together two massive games for the Dons in the in the VFL. So Elijah Sardis at 292k. Uh, if he does come into that Essendon side, I think he's probably going to be the cash cow that you want to jump on to finish the year and just be a pretty solid option for you because he's a fantasy scorer he's got massive junior pedigree as a fantasy scorer so he's another guy you want to jump on all right let's Let's get on to our um, listener requests as we always do. But as a reminder, as always, um, we are brought to you by the Keeper League pod. Go check him out to finish a your year. You're going to be checking out your Keeper Leagues now as you rotate off some fantasy classic if, if you're uh, struggling like Holmesy. You know, he, I even heard him talking about his draft league before the show. So if you like Holmesy and, and your classic season's done, you're going down to Dossie, then uh, it's time to focus on your Keeper Leagues. Check out KeeperLeaguePod.com.au. Use the code PODPOD at sign up for 20% off. The link is in the podcast description. I'm going and jumping on the uh, the Keeper League Pod tonight. So I'll be jumping on the show for the first time in a little while. Go tune into that as well. Let's get into our Twitter requests. We are at podpodafl on Twitter. It's the only place we really take note of. We're, we're just too busy to keep track of all the other social medias at the moment. So apologies if you're not on that platform, but we are at podpodafl. If you are on Twitter, go give us a follow and check it out weekly for when we post to ask for who you want to chat about. So the first one I've got here, and I swear I didn't put this in, uh, in this particular order, but uh, Tommy Cole. On the weekend, the leading scorer for the mighty West Coast Eagles in a valiant display versus Richmond. He had 97, 20 disposals, eight marks, and five tackles. Holmesy, look, when you're talking about buzz, it's a matter of when, not a matter of if, and Tommy Cole, he's finally come good.
1: Uh, He's no Jaden Hunt that scored 36 on the weekend, mate. So (laughs) Uh Just...
0: This is what I thought would happen early. But um, anyway, justice coming late in the season for Dossie.
1: Yeah, I think he falls in that category of the player, just not this time of year, not any time of year, Dossie, but uh, I'm not sure you want to be looking to bring in Tom Cole. Scored well on the weekend, uh, but he plays for the Eagles. They are not a very good footy side at the moment. Can't see his scoring being anywhere near close enough to a, a player that we're going to want on the field for the last six rounds of the season.
0: Only 67% time on ground for Tommy Cole as he works his way back from an injury as well. So, look, the only thing I'd say is that, yeah, jump on in draft. Obviously, like like Holmes is saying, it's a volatile situation there at the, at the mighty, mighty West Coast Eagles at the moment. But Tommy Cole, he, he's going to be a great draft player for people on the run home. I think with the added... Um, Tall stocks coming back in, you know Tommy Barris and, and Jeremy McGovern back there as well. It's giving him a bit more free rein to to wheel and go as as less of a lockdown player. But um, yeah, just draft only for now. I might jump on him in classic though. Uh, Callum Mills, gee, it's been it's been a bit of a rough ride, lads. Um, he's on the way down, Holmesy. You're you're not not a fan of uh, big Callum Mills?
1: No, I was pointing down to throw it to Louis because I know Louis got some thoughts that he's been echoing the last oh, month okay. on Mills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't been a massive Callum Mills fan, have
2: I? <laughs> um, look, if you're a Callum Mills owner, I think you. unless he's the worst player on your field, which maybe he is at the moment, I think he's still a hold. He's a hold for the same reason that he was a bring-in three weeks ago, which um, for most coaches was hoping that that form would turn around. To this stage, it hasn't. He's gone 64, 85, 92, and 71. Uh He's a better player than that. You'd have to think it does turn around, but um, if it doesn't over the next fortnight, then I think there's some coaches that are going to be um, or should be looking at getting right up on a Callum Mills because um, at 650K, yes, he presents value, but if he's putting up 75, 80s every week and you can potentially get him up to a 110 plus guy, then that's going to um, hold you in much better stead. And um, from what I've just seen in a few league matchups, even trading Mills might be a point of difference at this point as well. It's weird, isn't it? Because they don't even
0: still... They don't have... Um, what's his name back in the... side. Chad Chad Warner's not even playing in that midfield as well at the moment. So, you'd think it would just be... You know, plenty of pill for Callum Mills in there, but he's just not getting it done like he used to. And and guys like Errol Goulden are just you know, taking that mantle as the fantasy fantasy star for that team.
2: I think it's Robottom. I think bottom's affecting mm.
0: him. Okay. Either which way. I think I think you're right though. Maybe maybe jumping off is gonna be that point of difference. But it's so hard. He's one of those players that you know that you're damned if you do, damned if you don't with Callum Mills because we know what he can do at his best. Uh, Luke Jackson, uh, the listeners want to talk about now. Shawnee Darcy going down with another injury. You're the Fremantle man, man. Holmesy. We've, we've seen what Jackson can do over periods of time without playing with uh, Shawnee Darcy. We'd have to see how long that injury is. I, I haven't seen the news for that yet. But um, Luke Jackson, if, if we know that... Darcy's gonna be out for a little bit. Could you could you get excited about Luke Jackson after you know, he had another solid performance scoring eighty-eight that week? He's got Sydney this week, Geelong the week after, a couple of nice little matchups to start with.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, to this point in time we don't know uh, the extent of the Sean Darcy injury, but you would think if it's gonna be, you know, a month or longer with Frio Not in finals contention unless they can pull a a miracle out of the hat that Sean Darcy might get put on ice for the rest of the season. Um, So, yeah, Luke Jackson, 696K, uh, definite value as the number one ruck, but I'm not sure I could still go there. The forward status is handy, but I'm still not sure he's going to be that top six forward. But if you need to get that last rookie on field and you have limited cash and that's all you can get up to, then absolutely I think he's going to be... You know, a a serviceable option Either at F6 or R2 If you can't get all the way up And has Sydney this week And Sydney is probably uh, Apart from the Eagles The best ruck matchup That you can get at home
2: Do we think that F6 Is probably the weakest spot uh, On field for all coaches Just given what we've got available to us? Uh, Yeah, Uh, maybe that's not true because Josh Dunkley is out of that mix. And I think he probably makes it six with that um, big five that we've got in there already. But it does seem to be the position that drops off pretty quickly, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, well, especially now with Butters being potentially injured and and dropping a few lower scores. Um, Yeah, maybe that F6 spot does open up a little bit. Maybe we were looking at maybe 100 average before, but maybe it's more 95 to to 97, especially with McRae dropping off too. Well, maybe we're going to be looking at 115 though
0: with Sammy Flanders back in the midfield. We've already spoken a little bit about him. What's the final verdict? Look, I'm going to put my verdict out there. Now, of course, we know the draft doctor has been big on Flanders for a while now. It was actually it was actually the Statesman prior to Stevie Fears. The Statesman was the first to be incredibly keen on Sam Flanders years ago when he was first drafted. I was banging on about Fiorini and a few others at Gold Coast, and he was kept talking about Sam Flanders and how he loved him. So, shout out to the Fossil, um, he's been big on Flanders for a long time, so I've- I'm going to back in the FOSS here, and I actually think Flanders, he's a thirsty customer. And look, you, it's, it's a skill you just cannot, you cannot teach the thirst. And uh, Sammy Flanders, observably thirsty, pretty, pretty high on the chart too. So, I actually think he's a great option, and I think just 621K. Louis, you're a fan too.
2: Yep, just for the reasons that I said before, um, I think that F6 to F8 position a little bit shaky and uh, just identifying that role change, knowing that he's got that pedigree as a junior and knowing that when he's had the role in the actual senior AFL side, uh, let alone the VFL side, that he can score. So I think there's much worse flyers that you could take um, a swing at and at his price point. Maybe that's something you could get creative
1: um, with as well, a little bit like a Marshall in English that we mentioned before. The one thing I will point out, um here's a good, good option, clearly can score after what he did on the weekend, but this is uh, the Gold Coast run coming up. So, they got the Giants, the Lions, Adelaide, Sydney, Carlton before finishing with North. So, in terms of uh, run for the midfielders, probably one of the tougher ones there. So maybe there's not as many ceiling games there due to some of those tough games, but can't argue with what he did on the weekend, that's for sure.
2: I wonder if we see um, the Suns really finish strong because, you know, often what comes with a new coach and or potentially another new coach is that blokes just try a bit harder. They try and get themselves into the good books of um, the new coach. So maybe we can uh, hang our laurels on that. Yeah, finals not out of the picture for big Stephen King and
0: uh, and Flanders scored there. But um, uh, we've got an interesting question here. Looking at someone that is is going for that loophole option and, and we're talking about in terms of a, a non-playing player, I suppose, here. So Matt Allison, he's a test on the injury report. So, you know, could technically get selected potentially as soon as next week. But looking on the outer there at St at Kilda, 200K rookie and he's got forward Defender eligibility. So, listener was asking, is he the best loophole option? Four of five next five weeks are the Sunday game, Holmesy.
1: Yeah, he probably is. But the one uh, one thing I will caveat that with is, we saw how much carnage there was on the weekend. Teams that uh, have you know taken all the money from their bench really got found out. And if you didn't have a Windhager on the weekend. You were bringing on some pretty poor rookies, if not copping donuts. So, I'm not sure I'd be blowing a bench spot just yet, knowing that we've still got six rounds to navigate through. I'd still be trying to downgrade to players that are actually playing. So, if you do need them, uh, you can call upon them. Yeah, I'd be doing the same. I think Matt Allison might be a tool
2: who... Place for the Saints who have a bit of a shortage for tools. so um, I mean maybe potentially you do want him playing eventually, but it could be fraught with danger if you do bring him on as a loop. I, I like I like the listeners thinking outside the box though, but
0: yeah, it's good to have no, it's good. Um, it's very clever. Good to have those opinions though. Um Taryn Thomas playing a multitude of roles. We, we obviously said that he's um, he copped the tag on the weekend from Finn McGuinness, surprisingly. So um, LDU owners, including myself, were thrilled to see it going elsewhere, a bit of a run with role. But um, look, there's some coaches still keen on him. He only had 61 on the weekend, 12 disposals, four marks, four tackles. And I think we've already mentioned a few names that I'd be much keener on um, than looking at Taran Thomas. What about you guys?
2: Yeah, it's a a poor side and we said last week that poor sides are going to start to experiment, which means that it might happen with Tyron Thomas or it might happen with players that are around Tyron Thomas, which would then affect him as well. So at 560k now, it's a little bit awkward. I would have preferred it 150k ago. Well, if you're looking for a point of difference
0: down back, could Dan Houston be an option after coming off his uh, season high there, 156? I don't know if it's a career high even potentially there, but um, huge score for Dan Houston, Holmesy. Is he a nice little option for the run home? Port struggling in that game against Carlton, but um, could you see him putting enough, enough big scores on the run home to be an option?
1: Yeah, I think you can, to be fair. But this is what Dan Houston does. He's been doing it for years. He pops a 150 and then pops a 60. Louis would know that better than anyone else as a Port man. And I think on the weekend, Port were very depleted. I know they had seven changes. How many of those were defenders, I'm not too sure. But he he played out of his skin and he was just the guy that everything went through on the weekend. So I'm not surprised about that big score that he had. He does have this ability, but he also has an ability to drop a 50-60 as well, which kind of brings his average down. So, he can't knock what he's done, but just keep in mind, if you do trade him in, you have just missed his his ceiling game and he might not have another one. He's a
2: good example of playing the fixtures, isn't he? That sort of player who's got that super high ceiling that has historically strung it together for three or four rounds of football.
0: This is another interesting player um, playing the first game on Saturday. So, I guess if you are doing some loophole action um, in your forward line, um, you can have a look at this guy because he does have forward ruck eligibility. But Ivan Soldo at 493,000. He's come off a pretty easy matchup against West Coast where he had 107. But earlier in the year when we saw him in round seven, he only played a half a game and he had a 72-point outing against a tougher matchup the Suns. Hawthorne this week, then he's got big Maxi Gorn the week after, and then Tim English followed by Rowan Marshall. So, a slew of guns there, plus I think Nank will be back after a couple of weeks anyway. But Holmes, is his short-term play just to get some cash on your bench and maybe loophole him in?
1: Uh, You really needed to do it last week, I believe, um, with the Eagles matchup. Um, As I was saying to you guys pre-pod, after the Rowan Marshall incident, I tried to um, edit my trades to bring in Soldo instead of Bose, and I was 9k short and that would have been the play tunned up against the Eagles but uh, has the Hawks which is uh, an actual tough uh, matchup for Rucks when they have the, the Reeves meet combo and then has Gorn at the MCG before Nate comes back so I think you've missed the boat with Soldo but coaches that got on last week were definitely rewarded with a, a great score and, and a nice cash rise too.
0: What happened with Ron Marshall on your... T- oh, sorry. Sorry, um, Holmesy, about that. Uh, we'll move on to the next player. Holmesy's still not happy. Um, we'll have to have a debrief after this, I think, about the incident still. Uh, Bailey Scott playing some unreal footy, dropped a 130-plus on the weekend. Against uh, me in draft.
1: Louis. Against me in draft as well. That was good. My opponent had Tom Atkins <laughs> for a 122 and uh, Bailey Scott for 136, so that was fantastic.
0: Is he an option though? He's got um, St Kilda on deck this week. They love giving up marks oh. to Oppo players as well. 113, in his last three. Obviously, that's boosted by the big 130, but 104, 98, 136 um, following the buy. And he's had a pretty solid, like, since round 10, he, he hasn't gone under 80. Um, that defender midfield eligibility. Saints, West Coast, Melbourne, Essen, and Richmond. I mean, they've got a
2: great run coming home north. Is he an option, Louis? He he probably is and he's been doing it for long enough where you can't just say this is one out of the box. Like you said, around 10, really flicked a switch and he's been super consistent since then. Uh, he's probably got a little bit of the Nick Martins about him where he's mm. doing these awesome numbers and none of us are really taking notice of it. I like it and I think if you can't get up to anything else, then he's definitely a play. But that being said- going to be hard to fit him in with the defenders that we've got available. You know, you're looking at Dawson's, Dacos's, Sicily, Doherty's, uh, even a sheasel over the week. Sinclair, most coaches have Tom Stewart. So unless he's fitting into your midfield, then it might be hard to, to sneak him in down back. But uh, I think he's still a big tick. You've got to respect the form. And from what I can see from round 10, the worst case scenario might only be an in, 80-85,
1: in which is what we're copying from some of our Uber premiums anyway. Just on that, Louis, something that- just kind of refresh my memory. We have been speaking about it um, the last couple of weeks, but for coaches competing and trying to find a, a point of difference, is it is it time to jump off Tom Stewart? We thought that these GMHBA games would be the ceiling games, but he's just not getting it done.
2: Yeah, I, I think it is. I think, uh, and we said it two weeks ago, Tom Stewart's history is being very good at scoring 95. And uh, even though last year we thought maybe he started to discover a bit of ceiling, um, to this stage, that's been exception to the rule. He hasn't popped out with those 160s as he did last year. And uh, he sort of returned to the mean, which he was a 95 guy sort of before that. So, yeah, I think any coaches competing, I'd be looking at Tom Stewart and um, circling him as potentially one that I might be jumping off and down the other end,
1: just while we're on the topic, Ben Keys would be another that I'd be looking at. Mm. Yeah, did anyone watch that game closely on the weekend? Because looking at the scores... That's something I was kind of thinking as well. But 81% CBAs. What was his role on the weekend? Did you just not get near it? Uh, He was was giving attention. So, um,
2: he was on- Who did he play on the weekend? That'll jog my memory. GWS. GWS. I think he was on Josh Kelly uh, from memory. But he was definitely playing an accountable role, uh, which has kind of been the theme over about four weeks now. So, Might result in some ceiling games, but it might also result in some floor games, depending on which forward you can trade into. I mean, Josh Dunkley coming off of injury in a week's time, maybe a week after that, once the break even sort of um, flattens out a little bit, that might be a play there as well. It's a real tough one because he was putting up some amazing scores. Do we just
0: chalk it up to, like you said, you know, putting in a bit of attention and not getting the ceiling no, score? But I don't think it's can't.
2: that. Yeah. I don't think it's that tough. So since around thirteen, which is the game before his buy, uh, he went ninety nine versus the Eagles, ninety versus the Pies, one thirty two versus North Melbourne, who are training cones, ninety one versus Essendon, and seventy versus the Giants. So. While his last three and last five kind of looks respectable if we take the context of the games in into hand then uh, perhaps Ben Keyes is another one to join Tom Stewart that could be that guy that you you jump off mmm. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Uh, Turk Miller, now we talked about him briefly. Look, Holmes, I know you didn't see a heap of him play this weekend, but um, based on his price, you know, he's got the 830K price tag. Would you be still kind of looking at him as an option for you to fill out that midfield? Obviously, those midfield spots are very, very um, – you have to be have to be spot on with him on the run home here. Can you see him being his usual 110-plus guy again, I guess?
1: Uh I'm not sure he's going to be a 110 guy, mainly because of how Raoul and Anderson have come on. I, I believe that Anderson's- And now Flanders. And now Flanders, yeah. So, I, I've just always had this theory that, you know, when these players really go big and they have these 110, 115, 120 seasons like they have in the past, it's really because they're in these middle to bottom sides and they're the, they're the only guys. Think like your, your Rory Laird of two years ago, Jack Steele, and when you've got better players around you, they're still good and they still have these ceiling games, but um, their flaws are a little bit lower because they're not needed as much. And I think Took Miller might actually suffer from that a little bit. So, although I think he'll be good in his value, I'm not sure he's going to be that 110 to 115 guy, but he does present value. What I would be doing, I think, and you've already got him, Dossie, is saving that 50K and going down to LDU. I think he kind of fits that mould a little bit better of being just the yeah. absolute number one guy in that crap team that pretty much just has to put the team on his shoulders and, and everything goes through him. So, LDU is the one I'd be targeting um, on the run home, especially with that juicy fixture that Louis mentioned just before. Yeah.
0: nah, I'm 100% with you. I love that. Uh, Jack Steele another guy that, you know, people have been targeting heavily over the last couple of weeks. Is he still a great option for coaches? Louie, we've heard big Ross, the boss, not too happy with that performance on the weekend and, and telling the leaders need to stand up again.
2: Yeah, no, I'm still ticking that off. He got off to a slow start on the weekend, but did save it late. And uh, the Saints' situation within the season means that they need to try and make finals as best they can. Jack Steele, as the captain, should be the one to to get the boys on his back. I'm expecting a couple of 15 plus tackle games in that to to hopefully come home strong. I think uh, when it comes to talking about Jack Steele, you almost have to mention uh, his counterpart there, Brad Crouch, and how that affects him as well. Do uh, have we got concerns there, guys? That was and, and Holmes, yeah. you were you were probably one that owned. Brad Crouch, before a lot of us did, while Steele was in the
1: side. Yeah, that's the one I was going to bring up, Louis, just then. Um, Brad Crouch clearly is very highly owned now because of what he was doing around the buy period. Mate, back-to-back, we had a 90 and an 80, they got north this week, so I'm not sure it's the week to jump off, but it kind of- And Hawks And next, the Hawks, yeah. yeah. But it kind of coincided yeah, that's with- that's Jack's- St- uh, Sorry, Brad Crouch's really hot patch of form was when Steele was trying to find his feet and wasn't going very well. And now that it seems Steele's back and firing, Crouch has kind of taken a back seat. We did see them both average very well at the back end of last year. So maybe, maybe, maybe not. But once again, where you find these point of differences as being highly ranked coaches, you've got to do it somehow. And- I think Crouch is someone that's definitely overpriced and, and maybe isn't quite a top eight mid and, and someone you look to jump off at some stage. But with North and Hawks, the next two, I'm not sure it's these two weeks to do it. Do you think we need to maybe
2: consider more that Jack uh, Sinclair is playing more in that midfield since the buyers, as well as Zach Jones returning a fortnight ago?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jack Sinclair's their best player. Yeah, he he might not be the best fantasy scorer every week, but he's their best player. Um, you know, who do you want the ball in the hands of Crouch, who's just going to do a dinky little kick, or do you want Sinclair getting it and running, um, and and getting it forward? So, yeah, absolutely, it's it's definitely something to look at. And to be honest, you probably could look to go off him, uh, so Crouch off him, even though they've got the good juicy matchups. But oh, it is hard knowing that he's someone oh. that can go 120, 130 on his day.
2: It's probably one in three weeks' time, isn't it? And I, I do
1: think Zach Jones is playing a big role there. Yeah, well, he's one as well. He he provides something a little bit different, doesn't he? He's he's in that speedy mould of of Sinclair, and that's what they want to do. They want to get the ball forward as quickly as they can. That's the brand of footy that they play once they get it forward of centre. I think he's spot on.
0: Jeez, mm, a lot to think about here. Um, Josh Kelly backed up a 30 the week before, but... Pumped out a ton this week. It'd be a brave coach after seeing what could happen, though, getting some attention. I know you're a big fan, Louis, generally, of uh, of Josh Kelly, but you're probably eyeing him off next year and, and maybe not this year. Am I right in saying that?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I said he got tagged on the weekend. I, I can't confirm that. I just remember seeing Ben Keyes um, giving a lot of attention at stoppage to Probably a couple of different players, just how Ben Keyes is. But um, yeah, Josh Kelly uh, in recent weeks has been tagged. He's been probably tagged a little bit again. Uh, He's not attending as many CBAs as what he was at the start of the year. And perhaps there's a little bit of a blueprint there for stop the Giants uh, by stopping Josh Kelly. But uh, I think at the same time, he's a leader. He's a mature player and uh Giants are also trying to make the eight. So, I could see him also coming into some nice form there. I think at his ownership, which would be under 2%, uh, you could have a lot worse punts.
0: Holmesy, I think I'm going to be speaking here for, for I reckon all three of us, but I want your opinion. Tom Atkins, I can't recommend this one at all 713,000 he has come off two really impressive games 126 followed by 122 against North and Essendon but look he's playing a little bit of a midfield role there he's got the defender status but he's just builds his game entirely on big, big tackle numbers. And he's actually finally got himself a few marks the last couple of weeks. But he's in kind of that Matty Rao, you know, mould in terms of how he builds his score. He plays low time on ground and he's not as good as a Matty Rao. So, what's your opinion though on Tom Atkins? I'm nowhere near that for me.
1: Yeah, I actually looked into him on the weekend. Uh, I was chatting to a mate about it. Like I said, he had him in draft. So, I just wanted to see what he'd been doing back-to-back monsters, uh, but only one score over 90 outside of that for the whole season. And he's just had North and Essendon who are two pretty good matchups for midfielders. So, I think probably it's uh, matchup-based and I'm not sure you can expect a ton average moving forward, which is what we really want from our players at this time of year. Yeah, we've only got a few players left here, guys, before we wrap up. But
0: Sam Walsh. (laughs) Um, Look, he still hasn't fired. Holmes, he... Can we go anywhere near him? I mean, okay, let's just... The caveat though, West Coast this week and if we don't have Adam Chera as well.
1: Nah, so I've actually been looking at this one quite closely because I love Sam Walsh. I've, I've got him in draft and he's been a player that I've loved owning um, throughout his fantasy career really. What I've noticed with Sam Walsh is that He's getting high disposal numbers, but he's just getting the ball running forward and handballing. He's playing a, a good role for Carlton in terms of getting the ball moving forward, but he's not getting any cheap marks on the outside, and he's not tackling. So he he's a he's a ninety guy at the moment because he's just not getting the ceiling games because he's not getting outside ball or he's not tackling. He's ha- he has these random games where he does, and yeah, he can pop a little bit, but. Uh, with the brand of footy that Carlton are playing at the moment, they don't want Sam Walsh on the outside. They want him on the inside getting the ball and then just running forward and getting the ball forward with handball. So I think I saw a stat come out. It might have been Frico saying that Sam Walsh's uh, handball to kick ratio is actually the lowest of his career at the moment. It's sitting at about 0.7 where it normally sits at about 1.1 which means that he's just handballing, handballing, handballing which is not what we want as fantasy coaches. So, at the moment, he's not anywhere near the top eight mids. So, for that reason, I wouldn't be touching him.
0: Yeah, just an extraordinary turnaround from when he just came, you know, back from his back injury and just came out firing out the gates as well, looking like a a must-have and really a unique option and then, um, anyone that jumped on during that run, it's been it's been really strange scenes, but that's some good observations, Holmesy, as well. So stay steer clear for now. All right. Somebody here has uh jumped on the Jarrett Whateley train, want to know about uh Grinnell Messi out here. Uh Grinal Myers. Um, putting up some big numbers as a as a bit of a forward option. I'd have to even look because I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have ever looked at him in the fantasy app, I don't think, at all, because I don't have him in draft. So What's he averaging? 76 for the year, but 110 in his last three, Louis.
2: Yeah, mate. Look, Grind Myers, he's. Um, look, I don't know. I probably don't want to compare him to Clayton Oliver, but he <laughs> scans the field just as well, I think. And, you know, I don't want to call Grind Myers a better player, but potentially on the way home, <laughs> certainly the last six weeks, I think Grind Myers has been the better player. So, yeah, I don't mind him. Um, but he's not kicking him many goals this year, so yeah, I'm just going to pass on grind miles, I think.
0: All right, we'll move on to our last two. LDU, we've mentioned him a few times. Holmesy, sounds like he's on your radar. Luke Davies, a
1: Yep, absolutely, Doss. We've seen the scoring power in the last two weeks. The only flag is that he's been injury-riddled this year. I would think that they took their time over the bye period to, to make sure that he was cherry-right for the back half of the year. and uh Sonya Hood came out today and said that the the uh, performance for North Melbourne on the weekend was deplorable and they need to be better. They're not a side that's just going to park it up. They need to try and get some wins to to keep the fans engaged after a couple of very lean years. So I can see a big end to the year for LDU. Uh, you just got to make sure that he's not going to get tagged, or uh, you know, if the injury happens, the injury happens.
0: Now going from a completely inside player to a completely outside player, Carl Amon. For Hawthorne, uh, dropping two tons in a row, Louie, could he be a nice point of difference on the run home? Seeing as he's playing it, pretty much some friendly ovals for outside players anyway, at least for his last six games.
2: No, I think that's one that you just leave as the mid only. Might be his third ton for the year. You know, He just turned up the other week for the first time. So, um, no, nah, pass. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening again, and good luck for the last, well, we've got, so,
0: six weeks of of fantasy footy left and and enjoying every moment of it. But, um, look, I just, I feel like the listeners need to rally around me. I feel like the dog bloke status doesn't sit right with me, Holmesy. How how long will I be able to shed this this feeling from you, this negativity coming my way?
1: All you had to do was stay quiet, Dossie, but the fact you came into the group chat and gloated (laughs) about it, Louis's pretty up and down and sees it both sides, but he is firmly in my camp, mate. You are, you've you got some work to do.
0: I wanted Harmy on the show because I reckon he'd be on my side on this one. Like He's a bit cutthroat about the way he goes about it too. I reckon for those ton middies, he didn't want to pay up for the ton middies either. I reckon Harmy wouldn't have... Well, maybe goes to the chat as well so look Holmesy, i do want to issue a public apology i want to shed the dog bloke status eventually and i hope you know in the weeks to come i might let you know of any blunders but i can't make any promises i'm afraid it is the dossie cutthroat era we'll see you all next dossie,
1: week dossie special dossie fantastic dossie the dog